Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go. Wherever you're traveling, wherever you happen to be, we're so grateful to have you tune into this worship podcast. Uh, today we're going to look at the story that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke, uh, a parable, really, about uh, Lazarus and the rich man. And uh, as we prepare ourselves for that word, I want to share with you an anthem from uh, a dear friend, uh, Daniel Carmel. Some of you probably remember him if you traveled to the Holy Land with us. Daniel uh, uh, sails the faith boat, and when you get out onto the Sea of Galilee on the faith boat, he leads us in song. And he came up with an album that he wanted uh, me to share a little bit of with you. And, and for those of you that don't know Daniel or haven't had that experience, he believes that it's important for everyone to uh, be able to know a little bit of Hebrew. So he will often sing uh, these songs in English and in Hebrew. So hopefully uh, you will enjoy them as much as I do. Uh, so prepare your hearts and minds to receive the word that the Spirit desires to implant in you today. This is the air I breathe. Mm -hmm. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. Medabet Elibi 
so enjoy listening to Daniel. It reminds me of being out on his boat on the Sea of Galilee with so many of you over the years. Um, and now we turn our attention to uh, scripture. And um, we're going to look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus. But uh, that's a parable Jesus told um, that's an expression of one of his teachings earlier on in the gospel. He, was, uh, he had this section of blessings and woes that he offers uh, the people that were listening to him. And, and in verse 20 in chapter 6, Uh, It says, Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. And he adds a couple of other blessings. And he says in verse 24, but woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation. And what we'll find in this story is that uh, Jesus was kind of expressing uh, that sentiment in parable. So in chapter 16, in verse 14, it says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all Jesus's teachings, and they ridiculed him. And then Jesus went on to tell this parable in verse 19. He said, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with whatever fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sore. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where the rich man was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, child, remember during your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us. He said then, uh, Father, I beg you, send him to my father's house for I have five brothers that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied saying, they have Moses and the prophets, They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said to the rich man, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, Jesus told this story for purpose and with a point and with the desire for us to take something away from it. So we just pray that whatever it is that the Lord, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, wants us to receive, we take in and allow to take root and grow within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as you know, as well as I do, uh, Jesus was a Jew who not only knew Hebrew law, but really obeyed it and, and taught it with integrity and persuasion. Uh, If you read the Hebrew scriptures, you will see reference after reference that commands Jewish people to pay special attention to and to take particular care of the poor. Uh, For instance, given the contemporary animosity in our country right now toward migrants, the Bible's exhaustive teaching 
for the care of the alien in our land is particularly compelling. Uh, this sentiment is uh, throughout the first five books of the Bible. Uh, in Leviticus, it says, the alien who resides with you shall be to you as a citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So what we read time and time again, just on this one particular facet of, of understanding of how to deal with those who are less fortunate, God wanted the Hebrew people to remember that they had been slaves themselves. They'd been homeless. They'd been hungry and helpless before God rescued them. Therefore, God expected the Hebrew people to be as generous to those who are vulnerable as God had been to them. So care of the vulnerable was this hallmark of Jesus's ministry. And the writer of the Gospel of Luke emphasizes Jesus's care and compassion of the poor, and he also emphasizes Jesus's condemnation of the rich who allow the poor to languish at their gates. Now, remember, Jesus' mission by his own testament when he was that, and this he read from that scroll from Isaiah when he was back in his hometown in Nazareth, his mission was to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, Jesus saw in scripture this prophetic call to care for vulnerable people, and he took those commands seriously. You, you know, we talked about this last week. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. He cured people that he was actually not supposed to even come in contact with. He called the poor blessed and beloved by God, and he did ridicule people of faith. But people of faith who had resources and responsibility to take care of people in need, but failed to do so. Now, if you remember uh, what I read a moment ago, uh, can you recall where Lazarus is located in this parable? Where, where, where is he sitting? Do you remember? It's by the rich man's gate. Now, if you remember our memory verse, what else would have been at the rich man's gate? Do you remember? It would have been that mezuzah, right? Uh, the mezuzah, that, that little box that's set on the doorpost and on gates that has our memory verse, you know, uh, uh, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, right? So the rich man would have had to step over Lazarus to touch that scripture that reminded him or was supposed to remind him to love and serve God with all his heart, soul, and might. Right, it's right there. It was supposed to be on all the gates. So Lazarus is sitting or lying right by that admonition to love and serve God. You know, you know Jesus's frustration, his disdain, and, and this is an agitated scripture and story without question. His disdain, it's not with people who have uh, a wealth of resources. No, Jesus's frustration was with wealthy people who claimed to be religious. They touched the mezuzah every day, time they passed, but made no efforts to take care of people in desperate need. And according to Jesus, our salvation, our eternal salvation, is based on how we address or fail to address the needs we discover on our doorstep. You know, the practice of the Christian faith is not all that difficult to understand. Uh, in the letter of James, which is often attributed to Jesus' brother, it says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. And that, that's expressive of people who are most vulnerable. So when we choose to exercise our faith as Jesus instructed us to, what we find is that the world is healed in remarkable ways, that we ourselves are saved, and our faith becomes something that other people, frankly, 
want to have a part of their lives. You know, Pope Francis is, in my opinion, an amazing example of this. After all the horrific abuses and scandals that rocked the Catholic Church and shook the faith of so many, now, again, I'm not uh, uh, maligning the Catholic Church. Every church, including ours, has its faults and failings. But I'll tell you, when, when Pope Francis was elevated, do you remember what he first said? It was broadcast everywhere. He, he admitted that the church had gone astray from its core mission and it was going to get back to the basics. The Catholic Church was going to focus on taking care of the poor and needy of the world. In fact, preaching on this very text in 2016, the Pope said this, let us open our eyes to our neighbor, especially to our brothers and sisters who are forgotten and excluded, to the Lazaruses at our door. That is where the church magnifying glass must be pointed, he said. He went on to say, by right, but also by evangelical duty, it is our responsibility to care for those who are in desperate need. And I'll tell you, you, you know this, but I'll tell you, Pope Francis's focus on the core teachings of Jesus has given renewed life and hope to the Catholic world. Pope Francis is an inspiration. I think it's because of the integrity of his mission and ministry. You see, when we simply follow Jesus' direction, there is healing and salvation, and there's also a hope that people want to be a part of. Now, I'm not sure why this is, but recently I've overheard a whole lot of conversations about people's disdain for organized religion. And I'll tell you, it's hard to hear, but I, I understand the root of the critique. Like a rich man stepping over a poor man to touch the scripture that is meant to not only be remembered but lived, when the church or our faith appears hypocritical, People malign it, and they malign us, which is so unfortunate because the people who have, who have been organizing around Jesus' life and teaching have historically done so much good and healing and saving work in the world. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but the hospital, right? The hospital as a concept was, in origin, a distinctively Christian institution. A hospital, hospitals root, are rooted in Christian concepts of charity and philanthropy. There, there were no pre-Christian institutions in the ancient world that served the purpose that Christian hospitals were created to serve. There were no provisions for healthcare in classical times that resembled the hospital. As early as the second century, Christians had already developed within the church an infrastructure to assist the sick. So healthcare, I mean, think about that, healthcare for all people, but particularly for people who couldn't afford private medical attention. That's a Christian invention. Because of Jesus and his encouragement that we take care of people in need, we don't step over folks lying at our gate. We tend to them. It's our history. It's our mission. Uh, another quick example that's been in the news, and, and, and without getting into the politics of the situation, Many of you know about 50 migrants were flown from Texas to Martha's Vineyard the other week. And apparently no one on the island was aware of their arrival, nor the, at least initially the politics swirling around the situation. But suddenly there were a bunch of Venezuelans in Martha's Vineyard with no idea where to go, what to do, and very little English with which to figure it all out. What happened? St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Edgartown happened. The Church of Jesus Christ knew exactly what to do because it's right there in the Bible, enshrined in the teachings of Jesus. The church leapt into action, rallied the community, fed and housed and cared for the migrants until the situation could be better understood and addressed. No politics, just ministry. When you discover Lazarus on your doorstep, you can step over him or you can try to take care of him. 
Jesus told the Pharisees directly, faith isn't about touching your doorpost every time you pass by it. No, our faith is about extending a helping hand when it is needed. Now, I've shown this before. This I have a certificate. It's one of my most prized possessions. It is a certificate from Homeless Bob that allows me to cut in line uh, in front of Homeless Bob when we are both waiting at Heaven's Gate. Now, I'm not sure that the certificate that I have is going to hold up in the court of the Almighty, but I'll tell you, I'm hanging on to it just in case. Uh, The Reverend Jim Forbes uh, from Riverside Church years ago used to say, you know, no one gets into heaven without a recommendation from the poor. And that's directly from Matthew 25, where Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats, and and the people who, who are beloved by God are the ones that take care of those in need. Uh, so he said, you know, no one's getting into heaven without a recommendation from the poor. So, so the certificate I have, I, I know I don't deserve this, but I'll tell you, it's the closest thing I have to that recommendation. You see, apparently years ago, I preached a sermon that two women in my congregation actually took seriously. I don't remember the message, but it, it prompted Chris Nordstrom and Sue Straley to stop and begin a conversation with a homeless man that they passed on their way to work each morning in Boston. The two women got to know homeless Bob They became friends. Those two women just began to help Bob get by day to day with a handout here, handout there. Uh, Eventually, they marshaled the resources to get Bob off the street and into his own apartment. It was an amazing story. And, And when Bob died, he was buried in the memorial garden of our church in Massachusetts, a church he'd actually never been to, but a community in which he was dearly beloved. I recently learned I'm not the only one with a gift certificate from homeless Bob. He gave them uh, to many people who helped him along the way. And it is amazing. If you've ever served people in, in uh, disadvantaged situations, it's, uh, you know, I think of our kids when they go out to Midnight Run. When, when we help those folks, often their first response is to say, God bless you. God bless you. There's something about those folks that convey God's blessing, wishing us, as a blessing is, wishing us happiness simply because we helped when we could. Now, all of that happened because a couple of women decided not to step over Lazarus at their gate, but to offer him a helping hand and a real relationship. You know, as I said a moment ago, the Christian faith is not all that complicated. Not really. I mean, sure, there are folks, and some of you here, who make Herculean efforts to aid others. But that's not exactly what Jesus asks of us. Jesus doesn't ask us to single-handedly change the world. Nor does Jesus hate people who have resources and wealth. What Jesus asks of us is when we see a need in front of us, on our doorstep or at our gate, don't pass by. Stop. Help. Do what you can to ease the burden of others. You know, it's the, it's the Lucan story of the Good Samaritan, if you think about it. Don't pass by on the other side of the road. Stop and help the person in need. But it's also the story of 22 church members showing up at a home front work day in Norwalk last week. It's a story story of a little Episcopal church in Edgartown, Massachusetts, welcoming and giving shelter to unexpected visitors. It's a story of youth choosing to spend their winter break on a mission trip. It's the story of a church on God's acre providing funds because a group of Maasai in Kenya are experiencing a devastating drought. It's Irene Swanson, who died this past week at age 93, who, who, as long as she was able physically, never missed an open-door shelter a food service or an OG mission trip or any other opportunity to serve. And it's also a boss taking a personal interest in an underperforming employee. It's a teenager befriending a fellow student others malign or make fun of. 
It's a neighbor bringing a meal to another neighbor simply because that is what is needed and helpful. Simple, daily, salvific acts of faith. What Jesus is saying is that salvation is on our doorstep. It really is. Our own and the world's. To love God with all our heart, soul, and might begins by taking care of our neighbors as ourselves. And you know, when we live out our faith as Jesus instructs, miracles happen. Humanitarian advances like healthcare are birthed into the world. Homeless people find community. Entire church traditions find their way once again. And a world skeptical of organized religion is given pause to consider anew what is possible when we gather around Jesus and his teachings. Salvation is at our doorway, folks. It's not a doorpost we touch, but it's a helping hand we offer. Let's pray. Lord God, um, faith, or at least the faith that you desire us to have, to hold, and to uh, engage in is fairly simple. Take care of people in need. You know, you're not asking for us necessarily to search them out in any corner of the world, but when we see need on our doorstep, when we're tempted to walk by a need that is presented to us, that's when you want us to stop, to pause, to take note, to offer a helping hand. Lord, you've not just given us words to live by, but a way to live. And we ask that you would help us, encourage us to follow in your way uh, so that we might delight in your life now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church family, as you enter the week ahead, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.